I got friends only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I've been getting out of work. And welcome to this episode of Put That Coffee Down, the Freight Sales Podcast for Closers. My name is Kevin Hill. I'm your host, as always, here at the Freight Waves Network. I have a special guest with us today. It's Mr. Nate Schutz. He's a VP of Fulfillment over at Blue Dot, and he's also what I call the entrepreneurs or the founders or the bootstrappers whisperer. He runs an organization... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for up and coming entrepreneurs in the logistics space where he uh, provides a really a forum uh, where we can all give each other advice. And he is the, the, the master juggler of all of these personalities. It's a great resource. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, he's got a new name for it as well. And um, we'll also talk about luck because this is something that we're both very interested in is how to create your own luck and what types of luck are out there and being able to identify those uh, the, those different categories of luck and how you can get it to play in your favor, whether you're starting your own business or starting your own book of business or wanting to 10x uh, your commission check. You have to know how to use luck to your advantage, how to seek out good luck, and how to avoid at all costs bad luck. Uh, do not put yourself in the position for things to go back but with that i'm going to welcome nate onto the show how are you doing today i'm doing fantastic thank you for that very generous and warm introduction a founder whisperer is a new one i've i've heard many adjectives and um, titles for what it is that we try to accomplish with a with a group of fascinating founders but that's that's a first i might have to use that and it came up to me i right before you hopped on here uh, in Zencaster, I was doing our post because we just did the, the TV version uh, earlier this week. It aired and we talked a little bit about luck. We didn't get hardly halfway into the discussion before we started talking about other things. Uh, but I did a LinkedIn post and I used that term for the first time. So well, hopefully we get a lot of likes from that. I, I appreciate it. You've had a hand in coming up with unique names for me a couple of times, including the podcast. So I might have to hire you as a professional marketer. Maybe so. I, I might be up for that job too. That, that, that might be interesting. Maybe I'm the lucky one just by getting to interact with you and you you come up with the uh, guidance for what direction to pursue on something. And, and maybe, maybe we should start there. We were talking last time on the four different kinds of luck and we didn't get to uh, the fourth kind, which is called directed motion. And... There's a, a really interesting part about this type of luck that I think is interesting because it's not blind luck. Blind luck is when it's totally random, lightning strikes, you win the lottery, or you happen to be in an elevator next to you know a famous person and that somehow changes your life or something like that. Directed motion is when you have a hunch about something and then you pursue it and, quote, luck appears. So this might be where somebody has a unique insight into what's going to happen in the future in an industry or an economy or geopolitically, and then you place bets or you take actions because you think that there's going to be tailwinds and more favorable conditions to making that happen. And by virtue of you know where we sit in the industry and the, the number of people that we come across, we get to hear those ideas all the time of what 
what people think is going to happen next and then choosing action in that current, which again, increases your surface area for getting lucky. It does. It is increasing that surface uh, surface level or that surface space that, that say it's a circle, uh, expanding that, 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 that pie around. And it, it, it is because a lot of times where you start out, uh, whether you're, you're building a book business as a salesperson or a business, you have your five-year plan and you're going to do activity to, to reach that, that five-year goal. Um, but oftentimes you don't get anywhere near what you had planned, right? You veer off based on luck a lot of times you, into an even better situation sometimes. Sometimes it's not as good, but what it is, it's completely different than what you thought, but you wouldn't change it for anything. It kind of sounds like entrepreneurship where, where people start off with an idea. I, I sort of describe it this way, that there's a single cell organism of an idea. It's, it's fair. It's not intelligent. It is, it can, it's not viable. It can't survive on its own. And, but if you incubate it, and then it splits and it becomes a two-cell organism. Now it can survive a little bit longer. And then that splits off and grows into a, a larger organism. And as those cells or those ideas multiply, a bunch of them get killed off. They just don't make it. The environment's too hostile or they don't have enough resources to, to last. But the strongest ones do. They, they evolve and they grow. And as the, the conditions change, they become more favorable to certain ideas that may not even be even remotely related to your original idea. But maybe the best example of this is um, Viagra. The pharmaceutical was not, that was an accident. That was a side effect of another medication that I think it was Pfizer. I'm not sure you know which company it was, but they were experimenting in the lab and trying to solve some other ailment. And then they discovered that, you know, it had a unintended side effect and they pursued that side effect to, you know, great profit and, you know, a place in, in pharmaceutical history, but that, that had in pop culture history too, right? Unquestionably. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of cargo values too, those, those were some of the most valuable, I once heard a pallet of Viagra in the early days of like prototyping and when it was just going to market was worth like $2 million a pallet. Well, you talk about it, it almost burned its own industry. It did. With all the copycats and competitors and now generics. I mean, it, it spawned not only a blockbuster product uh, for the, the company, but also is almost like the iPhone creating the app industry, right? Viagra started the ED industry. Stiff competition. <laughs> it is. But but that to me is a, a a practical example of a company getting lucky that they they weren't even yeah. trying to that that wasn't even on their radar and if you, if you think about all the the inventions that came out of NASA and the space program that are now everyday items but they were designed for something completely different um and it goes back to uh, who was the the, the it was a Pasteur or I forget exactly um, penicillin, right? Oh, yeah, penicillin. yeah. So, so, Great example. So, yeah, it, whoever it was, I, I can't think of the guy's name, uh, but he went off on vacation and forgot to, to clean up and came back with a uh, fungus or whatever uh, that had grown, and turns out it, it's a miracle cure. 
Now, imagine being the guy who looked at that and said, hey, look at all that mold. We, we should eat it. <laughs> and hey, oh my goodness, it turned out to, you know, cure something. Because that's, it could have very well been with it. We never heard of that guy because he tried it and it killed him. Yeah. Uh, aspirin's another one that, that is, is kind of like that, right? The, the, the creating something that, that seemed to, to cure a lot of different things. I mean, sales is like that though, too. You, I mean, you, you do a lot of education and coaching on say for salespeople and there's always the, it's a numbers game approach. And to some degree that's true, but why are some people luckier with the same sample size? with a higher close rate or a bigger deal size. And that's where this idea of directed motion, I think, the favors the ones that are, are willing to do more research or be more prepared. And then when they get into those interesting conversations, something new happens and they close more deals. They close more deals. A hundred prospects for 10 different salespeople aren't, a hundred prospects is not an equal. Not all hundred prospects are, are equal, right? The more focused and qualified those hundred are, the better your percentage is going to be. And, and going off that point, if you come into a situation where you have what that that prospect or that potential buyer needs, um, and you're well operationally, you're well fitted to deserve that. That becomes your prospect list. Other companies, shippers, right? that fit that same dynamic. Now, if you're going after just 100 random shippers, you're never going to increase your close ratio and improve that numbers game. And that's where the luck comes in. It's having coffee with the prospect or and a light bulb goes off because they say something. All of a sudden, now you've refitted your entire pitch and your prospecting and your sales process to go after very specific types of clients. That's where the money comes in. What's also sticking out in what you're saying is it's all very active. There's, these are all yeah. actions. It's not, mm -hmm. I was sitting in the office and my phone rang and a prospect asked me about, you know, our offering. It's the opposite. There's a, a great quote in the, the some of these articles on, on luck where it says, I've never heard of anyone stumbling on something while sitting down. Mm -hmm. It is way better to get out there and fail than it is to sit and wait uh, for something good to happen. I remember, and I'm not a sales, you know, it's not in my DNA. I had to learn how to do sales and, and kind of grudgingly at that. I'm, a, I'm an operator. I'm an operations guy. But I remember being, you know, mid, you know, five or seven years into my career and realizing if I wanted to continue to grow, I would have to do sales. And so I would spend all of my time doing research and it worked to some degree, but I, I began to get too detailed. Like I wanted to know every minor thing about this company before I would call on them so that when they answered, I could speak really intelligently, but I would start calling. And eventually once all the research was done, I couldn't get a hold of anybody because I didn't even know who the right person was. And so I had wasted all of this time preparing for a conversation that didn't happen. And then I heard somebody one time say, you know, if it's going to take a hundred calls to close, you know, five deals and something in that moment switched in my brain and I said, oh, great. Then all I have to do is fail 95 times. Yep. So the faster I can fail 95 times, the quicker I can get to the five yeses. 
And it totally changed how I went after it. And instead of being afraid of failure, which is what most of my research had been about, it was me building up a security blanket so that when I got somebody on the phone, I, I would know what to say. And instead it became the faster I can fail, first, the more comfortable I get with it. And then it doesn't feel like failing. It actually feels like progress. And if you learn with each of those failures, right, each of those 95 notes, if you learn just a little kernel of something you can take on to the next one, you're going to fail less. And it's not going to feel that much like failure at that point. It, it's a learning process, right? Failure is just a learning process. And if you, if you have that frame of mind, that it's just a learning process. I got I to I screw this up just, just to learn, you know, I'm, I'm just throwing stuff at the wall. Um, then it doesn't feel like failure and it doesn't really hurt as much. Now, also, don't get me wrong, I'd, I'd like to have more of the first kind of luck, just blind luck. Yeah. Right place, right time, no skill involved. Mm-hmm. I, I would gladly take more of that because it does seem to be in short supply. It does. It does. Let's go to, you know, the, the bootstrapper's guide to logistics, right? You have a podcast, you're re- rebooting that uh, here shortly. You have a number of episodes uh, I have put that coffee down. I've been doing it four years. Neither one of us are doing podcasts and successful podcasts in this industry because someone called us up and, and invited us to create a podcast. And that's a, that's a lesson, right? It is a, it is a great point. And actually, in my case, it was kind of that, though. I, I got into this podcasting journey because of Twitter, which is... Mm-hmm me seeing a tweet at the right time by Craig, you know, founder and CEO of Freight Waves and him saying, "Hey, I want to feature more, you know, bootstrap founders that don't get a lot of media attention and I've got this idea, of who wants to do it?" And I remember seeing it on my phone. It was late at night and the idea just absolutely uh, captivated me in part because two years earlier, I had tried to start a logistics community on Twitter and it totally tanked. Like I got, I had a couple of really neat phone calls and then nobody cared. And so I I was stung from that experience and I didn't want to feel that disappointment again. And I also didn't want to sign up for something if I wasn't going to be totally committed to it. And so in one of the better, more mature moments that I had, I decided to sleep on it. And I woke up the next morning and said, if I go back to that tweet and somebody else has commented on it or said that they want to do it, then that's my answer and I won't pursue it. So I went back and I found it and nobody had commented. There wasn't even a like, which is rare if if you follow Craig on Twitter, he gets a lot of traction. And I took that as my, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take action now. I sent him a message and we had known each other through other means for a while and we had a conversation and he said, cool, let's do it. And I thought, all right, what instructions do you have? How, what, how do I do podcasting? I've never done it before. And he said, I don't know, figure it out. Good luck. And that was it. <laughs> and so uh, I had to learn how to do a podcast. I had to learn how to do audio editing and promoting and you know, get graphics done and come up with a name. And so then I called you. And you came up with a terrific name that is still super memorable. Uh, and, and I stole it from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Which is <laughs> also just, you know, pure chance, but it rolls yeah. off the tongue so well. 
It does. Uh, good artists, you know, invent great artists steal. Exactly right. You know, why you create their will, especially in business, right? You find what works and you, you go with it. So that was really the, the genesis of all of this is random or seemingly random interactions and, and patterns and then taking action to that. And then now I find myself in a place where I have one of the most fascinating networks of entrepreneurs and founders in all of supply chain on multiple continents and people reaching out and saying, I want to connect with other founders and um, I have an issue or I, I'm just really burnt out and I need to talk to somebody. And that has led to the next, you know, back to the single cell organism concept that's led to another life form, which yeah. is now we've got a group of founders who get together every month and have been doing it for about a year and realize in there that they were telling me they were getting so much value out of it. They're like, well, tell me where I can send you some, send you a check because this is so valuable to me. And so then decided, well, if there is that much value being exchanged, we should try to formalize this and, and create a community. And so that's what we've done. Now it's, it's called ballast and trying to create or not trying, we are creating the world's first private member community for founders, um, entrepreneurs, investors in the supply chain space. And the goal isn't to make this the biggest thing in the world. I don't, big is overrated. I want to make something that is real, that is um, intimate and authentic where people can say what needs to be said behind closed doors and trust that it's going to be confidential and that you're welcomed in if you're in the industry and you're a founder or an entrepreneur and you want to get help from others. Entrepreneurship is hard. Doing it alone is harder and you don't have to. So now we have this group and it feels like we're just getting started. The the energy level is the highest I've ever seen it. And more people are reaching out all the time saying, how do I become a part of this? And now for the first time, I have the opposite problem of it's too much attention and I can't let everybody in because it's got to be, you got to be vetted. You've got to be trusted. You've got to, um, you got to pay. And I thought that might be a turnoff to some folks and it's the exact opposite. They, they want in and we're glad to have them. It is, you know, I mean, and it's, it's one of my favorite meetings of the, it is my favorite meeting of the month when I get an invite, I always get an invite. That, <laughs> I do apologize for that. Well, that, that's the fifth kind of luck. That's just bad luck. That, that is bad luck, but I'm, I'm going to use it, use it forever okay. to, uh, to, 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 to get, extract the value from it maybe. But, um, no, I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's because you are all, you're out on an island quite if you're out working alone on a project and it's a roller coaster, you have doubts, you have highs and lows all in a 30 minute time frame. You know, I, I think this is going to work. And then 10 minutes later, you're like, wow, no one's ever going to buy this. Why am I even doing this? So it's good to, to, to share those experiences. And for you and for, for everybody else involved, it is a luck making machine, mm -hmm. right? You want to put yourself in the position to where you have the, the best best information, the best knowledge, you know what's going on. You have people that have extensive networks. You have your own extensive network. And that is like an incubator for luck. It is. The, it reminds me 
I'm going to New York and DC in a few weeks to chaperone my son's school trip. And, uh, we'll be visiting, you know, the national mall and, you know, all the, the different things in DC. But then when we're in New York, we actually get to go to Hamilton. I don't know how they got tickets for 50 or 60 kids and adults, but they did. And the, one of the best songs in the musical is the room where it happens. And it talks about how, you know, the founding of America happened in a handful of small rooms and not everybody even knew who was in the room, but for those who are now our founding fathers, they were in the room where it happened. And that's what the ballast community has started to feel like. There's a, there's a cost to not being in the room because you're, you're not exposing yourself to luck. You're not circulating your ideas with other founders. You're not getting the help that you need uh, when you're stuck on a key issue and being in the room where it happened. It's not just a great song. It's a great plant. It is. It's a great plant. I think there's a, there's another portion of luck that I always think about, and it comes from Black Swan, which was a great book. I, I just really enjoyed that that philosophy. Um, and, and part of that is you can't force it. You can't force luck, right? And that's a and I, I've taken that philosophy. I, I probably already had it, um, but but I, I'm really constant about that that philosophy of if I miss a train, I'll just take the next train. You never know what's going to happen. You know, I, I'm not going to break my back trying to force things to, to happen. I'm going to take a lot of activity to, to put myself in the position where good things can happen, but I'm not going to try to force it because I think that's where bad luck comes from. You're totally right. It just it brings to mind career advancement. A lot of folks, they're working in a company and they want the next promotion or they see an opportunity and, they, and they're just desperate for it. And so they do everything possible to try and get that one thing. And then if it doesn't happen, they're, they're dejected, they're heartbroken, mm -hmm. they're bitter. And with, as someone who has been there, you know, in previous parts of my career, I can completely empathize, but I'm also in hindsight, now that I'm older, I look back and say, why did I think that that was the only yeah. next step for me? Why did I limit my options to one step higher? in the department or the company that I'm at right now, that's my only next step. And the world is big. It's also very small and life is long. And why limit yourself to such a narrow future? I think that you're exactly right. That narrow future, right? You, you have the, the people who are type A personalities who have a very defined goal in mind. And if they don't attain that singular goal, they are dejected and they're frustrated. They, um, the, the, they, they just can't accept it where if you build the skills, if you focus on the skills and the foundation to, to get to that point, then that's when you can pivot, right? That, that's where things take you. I mean, I, I started carry less and, uh, I, I was like, this is where five years, this is what's going to happen. It didn't happen that way whatsoever. Um, but you manage by, you make your mistakes, you make your, your, your good decisions, you put yourself in lucky positions. And at the end of the day, I, I, I think, um, it's, it's turning out and it's turned out to be about what I thought it would be just in a completely different way. It's also a paradox though, because there are times when you have to hold completely firm in your conviction 
despite no evidence that you're on the right track. You have to believe something that nobody else believes. And even being able to discern when it is the right time to pivot versus when is it the time to double down, I don't know if it's art or intuition. It's certainly not science. No. Um, and, And who knows? And that's, to me, that's part of the great mystery of it is it's only brilliant or stupid in hindsight. Nobody knows what tomorrow's going to bring. No, and and a lot of people that that will be around you will be judging it on real time. Well, real time, that decision doesn't really make sense. But you're thinking about it years into the future, and you kind of see the chessboard. You see your own chessboard of maneuvers you can make, and pros and cons of each. You know, and you just go with that. I think that's how you you take that those gut decisions, um, because you do see things that other people don't, you know, if you're creating a new product or a new podcast or a new way of doing things, right? A new founders group. Um, you see things in the future that no one else does, and they're not going to see it until you get to the future. So if you can run the scenarios by in your mind, you know, in your worst case scenarios, your best case scenarios, uh, then you go with what you can do. Because a lot of times people don't take action because of what they perceive as the worst case scenario, which sometimes, and I think starting a business and learning the skills of that, both the operational and sales and leadership, the worst case scenario on that is pretty good. You know, so you fell, but you've, you've got a whole new skill set that you built that's more valuable to other people. If I've gotten good at anything in the last number of years, it's getting more comfortable failing. Fear is yeah. paralyzing. And Oftentimes, people have very good reason to be fearful, but choosing to stay in that is a choice by definition. And mm-hmm. opening yourself up more to even just take dating, you, you see, you know, a, a pretty girl yet that you think is out of your league. Yeah, you might get rejected. You never know, though. Um, never know. I, I saw a beautiful woman and and thought, "There's no way she's going to have any interest in me." And now we're married. And yeah. There's no way that that wouldn't would have happened if I had listened to that little voice in my head that says, "Doubt yourself," or "You're not good enough," or "You're yeah. you're not smart enough," or "Fill in the blank." And learning to you know step into who you are fully, warts and all. Maybe it's a function of just getting older, um, yeah. but it's just a lot more comfortable. You just realize that life is a lot less predictable. And if anybody had the answers looking forward, you know, they'd be making millions in book sales and, and coaching and we, we wouldn't have, they wouldn't have any problems, but um, it's just not how it works. It's, it's not. And I do find myself uh, saying that quite often these days. I'm just too old for it. Now, and, and when I say that, it, it means like I, 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 I just can't put the the effort emotionally and, and time-wise into something that I can't control. You know, if I can't control it, then that's fine. It's going to work out the way it works out. And there's no reason to get wrapped up into it because it steals time from what I can control and what I can um, have an effect on. I think we need to start a new podcast now called The Freight Philosophers. Because whenever you and I start talking... I, I look at the clock and I think it's it's got to have at least been five minutes and it's been at thirty. Yeah, I know. and I we we can talk endlessly because we we have we see so many things the same way, and 
um, when you go through enough life and have had enough disappointments and, and challenges and successes, you realize, you know, if we're going all the way back to luck, we realize how uh, not in control of everything we actually are. And so to me, where I always like to, to end a conversation like this around, you know, do you make your own luck or not is, look, I am a 43-year-old white male born into the wealthiest country in the world during a time of peace into a family that was safe that I didn't choose. And I went to a school system that I didn't build and uh, a company that I get a job at a company that I didn't start and joined a, you know, a podcast for a company that I had nothing to do with. And that led us here. Now, in all of those things, yes, I did take action. I, I, I used what I had been uh, granted as part of the genetic lottery and made things happen from that. But I had a every possible privilege and advantage going in that most others don't. And so when somebody asks, you know, how much of your success do you think is your responsibility? I'd say about 2%. That feels about right. I when I was first asked that question, I wanted to be really humble. And so I said, uh, about only about 90. And then they said, really, tell me, tell me why you think it's 90%. And I said, well, I did this thing and I did that thing. And that's why I've been so successful. And then they asked me to expand my scope of vision, my field of vision and said, yeah, but you're, you're not considering that, Nate, you're, you're smart. You're a kind of a nerd. If you'd been born in the 1400s, you probably wouldn't have made it past 14 because you would have died on the battlefield in the first four minutes. I'm like, uh, sounds about right. So yeah, I, I, I did get lucky. Um, and still, you know, that 2%, that's the part that I can work at every single day. Maybe I can make it 3% tomorrow. Yeah. Make the most of that 2%. Grow that. Make, make the most of every single interaction, every yeah. conversation be open to whatever happens next because it's a lot more interesting to to treat life as an experiment than a prescription. I love that. Treat it as an experiment because you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, no one is good at predicting the future. Um, you can just put yourself, try to put yourself in the right positions. And, you know, those don't change. Those haven't changed in thousands of years. Hope right? we're all still people. We're all still people and we're going to be people next year and the year after and the year after that. So there's those core elements that um, will just keep working and don't worry about the rest. We'll still be people and people will still be using Excel for their TMS in 30 years. <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> they will be. They will be. Well, Nate, thanks for, for joining us again. Uh, if anyone's out there, any of our listeners that, that want to learn more about Ballast and um, and contact you about that and see what the process is for uh, attending or, or getting to know more about it. How do they How do they do that? Simplest way is just reach out to me through email. It's nate at logisticsfounders.com. Perfect. Nate at logisticsfounders.com. Always a pleasure. And I'm sure we'll be talking on the phone soon anyway. So right on, Kevin. Thank you. Have a great night. You bet. You too. And that's going to wrap it for this episode of Put That Coffee Down. Join us for next episodes and hit subscribe, hit like, leave us a, a review. Please do that. And um, and we'll be coming out with more episodes soon. Thanks. Bye. I got friends only want to talk business. I 
I've been reading all the war, and I've been shutting down the stars.